and welcome to another episode of You Haven't Seen That, a podcast where we discuss films that I missed in my childhood. My name is Eric and I'm joined as always by my co-host Chris. Hey everybody! Um, and Chris, which film are we watching this week? Yeah, the uh, one we pulled out of the hat is an interesting one. Our first kind of faux musical, I would say, with uh, John Lantis's 1980 comedy, The Blues Brothers. Joliet, Jake and Elwood Blues. Two men with a mission. And only 11 days. We're on a mission from God. John Belushi. Dan Aykroyd, the Blues Brothers. Are you the police? No, ma'am. We're musicians. This one, I think I was mentioning at the end of last week's podcast, I I have actually tried to watch this one a couple of times. Yeah, so by tried to watch, does that mean you've... Say, gotten like ten, how how far in do you think you've made it before? Forty five minutes an hour. Okay, yeah, like so, a decent attempt. Yeah, like it wasn't like I put it on at like three in the morning and just fell asleep yeah. after ten minutes. I it's one I always wanted to watch. I, I mean, I love I love music of all varieties. Yeah, um, I, I, I like that era of comedy. It's a bit odd sometimes, but I'm I'm pretty with it. I, I've never seen Belushi in anything, and I haven't seen was it Animal House as him, isn't it? Yep, uh, and various others. So, um, and he's so popular. <laughs> in like a posthumous kind of way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in my attempts, I've just, I don't know, it's been me on my own, perhaps. So I'm okay. hoping this time around, I'm a bit more... So it's just, you just haven't gelled with the film. Like, yeah, it just hasn't connected with you and you just find it boring? Or, or maybe what's... I just wasn't in the mood yep. when, I, when I chucked it on. So um, yeah, like the musical numbers are quite fun. I don't know. I, I haven't gelled with Ackroyd that much. Okay. It's funny, like I don't usually have the DVD case sitting in front of me. I was thinking about it just before we started... He just looks sort of normal in this one. <laughs> this is... Uh, it, it's a weird thing. Dan Aykroyd's a weird, weird dude. Yeah, you can tell that he's going to be a conspiracy theorist one day. 23 different species are coming. They don't want anything to do with us. I don't think we will ever have a formal relationship, a formal contact with any alien species out there, especially after 9-11. <laughs> yeah. Just looking at the picture of him, you're like, definitely doesn't look like... A normal kind of guy. <laughs> yeah. But then it, it like, follows through with... Because uh, he wrote this film and you yeah. know, wrote Ghostbusters and things as well and yeah. you, you kind of doing research into those you realise like oh you're kind of just an insane person yeah which, which <laughs> lends itself to creativity yeah um, so that's like a little bit of a spoiler for some of the stuff we'll talk about later yeah, in the episode good I'm but... looking forward to it and uh, I guess so yeah so my understanding of the film so like, mm. I've got a bit of a head start having seen a bit um, I, I so obviously it's about the, about the two the brothers mm-hmm. um, one comes to get the other out of jail from memory can't remember which one <laughs> Um, but anyway, <laughs> it's good that you're not remembering. Yeah, yeah. So, I, and I, I remember as much as some some slow scenes after that with some conversation, uh, and I remember a church scene with uh, James Brown. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's yep. right. Isn't it James Brown? Isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Um, and yeah, that was that was quite fun, and I just remember them kind of tapping along in the back row. So, in terms of like the actual narrative and the story that ha- unfolds in the film, you've got. I just remember they're going somewhere in a car. Okay. You've got, you've <laughs> yeah. got nothing. There. Yeah. So, like, it didn't clearly didn't stick with me that much. I didn't yep. get deep enough to really go. That's where we were heading, and I think that's why I never went back and finished it, mm-hmm. that, which would have been my intention. So, um, yeah, didn't didn't grab me the other times, but I know, like, I love some of the songs out of it, uh, and, and I feel like I should really enjoy it. Um, so I've really 
sort of it's a fun on these mixed feelings leading to this I'm sort of like can't be bothered yep because <laughs> you know I have tried a couple of times yeah. but I also know that it's something I, I really feel like I should enjoy so I'm looking forward to getting through it all yeah it's, it, you feel like it's something you should really give a solid try to and try yeah, it ticks so many of the it. boxes um, yep and so this is a Saturday Night Live movie is that right yeah yeah sort of it, an extension on characters from the yeah, show yeah it, it's loosely credited as the first Saturday Night Live film because Ackroyd and Belushi originated the characters yep. on Saturday Night Live, and the Blues Brothers band is the Saturday Night Live house band. Uh huh. Pretty okay. much. So. There we go. Because other ones were like Night at the Roxbury, obviously. Uh, Wayne's World. Yep. Um, Magruba? Yep, Magruba, yeah. uh, which is amazing. Yeah, I still haven't seen Magruba. Yeah. <laughs> That's almost like we should throw in a modern one just for just, that. Just, yeah, yeah uh, The Ladies' Man, which is great. Oh, yeah, um, I've always meant to see that. Yeah, yeah no, there's, there's a whole bunch. Yeah, it always surprised me how many actually sort of... Um, but anyway, uh, all right, so this is the sort of the, the first one, obviously. Yeah, the first um, are kind of taking char- pre-existing characters and branching off and expanding. Yeah. So what's your experience of it as a, as a... Obviously, you're a fan. Yeah, well, this was one for me where I knew... The soundtrack before I knew the film, actually. Yeah, which sounds like me, really. Yeah, and I mean, by that I mean I was, you know, in my young childhood days, like that very iconic cover art of uh, the two of them sitting on the back of the car and things, and knowing a lot of the songs. And I think I first saw the film maybe when I was about eight or so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Yeah, sort of with. like, a family friend was like, you have to see this, and, like, kind of sat me and his kids down to show us it, and... Yep. Yeah, just kind of... Was that right age for some of the weirder slapstick, goofy comedy to... Yes. ...for it to resonate, and yep. I just... I had known Dan Aykroyd from a lot of other stuff, so I just kind of... Yep. Dug it, and then as yep. I've... This has kind of been a constant in my life <laughs> since, like, every every now and again. Like, uh, I've gone to the Astor Theatre, which we've talked about a few times on this yes, podcast. Yes, it's a good spot. <laughs> the, the Astor in Melbourne, um, they used to do sing-along versions. That's right, they did, yeah. Where, you know, um, the crowd would, you know, throw dry white toast at the screen. You'd have yeah. people dancing in the aisles in costume and things. Yeah. Um, they've since uh, frowned upon that. And they yeah, don't like they, they only it. do Rocky Horror now, don't they? Yeah, so they kind oh, of... And sh- Sound of Music, maybe. Yeah, but I think the whole idea of actually trying to interact with it all... Uh, it's died down a bit. Yeah, they kind of Aww. sway away from that now. Yeah. But, but yeah, so it's one that I've kind of enjoyed and kind of been... Had, you know, a long life with, I guess. Yeah. Sweet. Okay. <laughs> so, I'm, uh, yeah, but I'm intrigued to see how you go this time. So. Yeah, no, no, me too. Like I said, I'm kind of... No, I am looking forward to it, but sort of like this morning when I woke up, I'm like, oh, I've got to watch the Blues Brothers today. <laughs> it's, it's weird. It's, yeah... It shouldn't be a chore, but it kind of feels like it is. Yeah, because <laughs> it's but the I know, length, but... I'm very much looking forward to finally polishing it off. Because nice. um, you know, I know shake your tail feathers in there. Yeah. Just didn't get up to it. <laughs> God, okay, yeah, that is kind of early then. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So. Well, I, I don't remember getting up to it. So, okay. Anyway, <laughs> well, on that note, let's uh, jump into the film. Let's do it. So that was the Blues Brothers. <laughs> yeah, we're back. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. <laughs> it was... I'm glad I got to the end. Yeah. Um, because the second half is way better than the first half. That's what I find. <laughs> yeah. You you kind of mentioned uh, during it that it's it's almost like a movie of two halves. Yes. That uh, you can see a distinct difference between the first half and the second half in terms of style, pacing, humour, 
just even energy of the film itself. So. Yeah, character, the whole lot. Hmm. Um, like a quite in the, in the first half, I definitely noticed a lot of like the, almost a directorial style. Mm. Like we were commenting on a couple, a few of the shots and the like the when they were um, Jake was exiting the prison, like the shot of the prison doors opening and um, and Elwood with the car in the front mm. and stuff. And then when they went to visit um, the penguin <laughs> um, and the shot up the stairs, you know, just really, really good directorial it's- shots. And it's it's slowly paced and builds in, but the characters are very blank slates. Yeah, there's not a whole lot there for them, and I think that's, in terms of a character, like, it, you learn to kind of... They grow and, you know, you learn to love them over the film, but they yes. are... Even the style of acting that they present, like, mm. both um, Belushi and Aykroyd are doing, it's very kind of calm, still, and there's not much there, which is interesting. Yeah, it's, it's a funny one, because from everything I expected... The, the the previous attempts in this one is is what you see at the end of course is the physicality the kind of slapsticky almost and and they're just their dancing style and their movement on screen and stuff uh, and and early on they and it's it does suit their character they're they're very yeah they're very calm they're very deadpan which which is a very good form of humor when used well mm. but it's just not early on I just I've always found it hard because it's not counted with much interesting apart from I guess that the the scene with in the church with James Brown yeah when Jake's energy takes over and he does some <laughs> backflips and some sweet moves when he sees the light <laughs> yeah when he sees the light and that's and that's really like where the film itself kicks launches yeah yeah and I mean, up until that point, it's just establishing, I guess, the basic elements of the narrative that we need of the orphanage being shut down and they yep. need five thousand dollars by yep. the end of the week. Like that's, it's a pretty flimsy plot. Yes, it's a very simple plot. But at the, but it's a film that doesn't need a plot. Really, no, and so. y- you could sort of complain, I guess, if you wanted to, about what's the motivation, like, why do they... I mean, it's an orphanage, obviously. And, and they, they grew up there and stuff. Yeah, so, but yeah. I didn't feel... I didn't go, oh, I feel like they should have gone into that more. No. I was like, no, no, they, they just... There's obviously, they've got this devotion to this orphanage, even though, like, the penguin beats them up. It's like a sense of duty. Yeah, there's that nice scene of them uh, in the basement with Cat Calloway. You and the penguin are the only family we got. It's that loose establishment there, and then that's, they don't, they that's don't all we need. They don't even need a big review, you know, like discussion about. Oh, we've, we've, we've you know, we've had a bit of life of crime. Mm. Both been to jails. Yeah, <laughs> and it's um. But I think what's interesting to kind of bring it back to the character stuff that in the second half they are they're almost like cartoon characters to an extent. Yeah. Like, the point where you really notice it is when they're sneaking into the Palace Hotel ballroom to the Minnie the Moocher song and yes. they're like perfectly timed steps to the music. And that's and, great. I, yeah. I love that. Um, and, and that's really well... Yeah, music timing, the way they do it is is, is perfect. And just... I don't, I don't expect the whole film to be like that, but that was absent in almost the whole first half of the film. Do you think that's because the entire first half of the film is kind of working harder to establish their relationship with each other versus their relationship in the world of the film? Perhaps, yeah. Although, to be honest, I I 
felt that I understood their relationship very early. I mm. think the film did it really, really well. Like, uh, Elwood picking up Jake from the prison, and it didn't need to be any words said. It's just that hug. Yeah. yeah. And then even the car ride, their communication, blunt to the point... Car's got some pickup. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, all right, yeah, these two are brothers, there's, there's no animal... Like, that's all we're going with, there's, mm. you know... Yeah, and... I was kind of more thinking like the scenes where they're in Elwood's apartment and stuff like just it's yeah a lot of that kind of I hate to use the word filler early on but it is I just, felt like there was a fair bit of like the whole mall car to, chase sequence yeah. there's a lot of other than that exists obviously to establish the the entire threat of the police and in yes. particular those two eight like those two cops throughout the entire yes which yeah. is like the driving force for the rest of the film yeah but it is just a lot of stuff where it finally gets to the point of getting the band back together is like nearly an hour in. Yeah, yeah, it's an hour in when the movie really it picks up it suddenly sort of kickstarts probably with the Aretha Franklin moment. Yeah. Like all of a sudden it transforms to more of a Grease style musical. A bit, yeah. Well, we know, we point out like that's the only uh, song that kind of feels like a musical because she's in the middle of a conversation and then bang, breaks yes, the song. it's just a bit, yeah, more traditional film musical yeah. style rather than just music over the top. Or rather, James yeah. Brown's one was very contextual to what was going on. Mm. And I guess to like a lesser extent, you've got the Ray Charles number. But yes. Yeah, he at least got invited to show off the keyboard. Yes. So as opposed to it just being like, song. <laughs> I'm going to sing at you, man. And you're still not going to listen to me. Yeah, that's kind yeah, of... Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, they... I, I felt like I understood the brothers' relationship very early, mm. and then I got forty-five more minutes of exactly the same. Mm. That um, being said, you, there were a couple of chuckle moments in that forty-five. Yeah, there's, there are some some real good little pearl pearls in there, and and then like I, I quite like some of the goofy pearls as well, mm-hmm. like um, when they go into the, the 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 men's lodge or whatever it is where where Elwood lives, and he just gives him the guy the whipped cheese. Did you give me my cheese, Wells boy? <laughs> like, yeah it's those weird yeah. little moments like that where you're just like huh yeah but it's perfect because there's a lot of that later on as well yeah but it's just early on they're so sparse yeah and um, like I one I enjoy during like the mall scene is just the pointing out all the different yes, stores yes. and it's so deadpan and calm yeah baby clothes this place has got everything yeah I like that too I'm like yeah this is sort of I like the break in pace, but it just felt the first half in particular it just wasn't. It just took a long time to get where it wanted to be. Yeah, and then once it did, once off, it, off, it, it, off it went. Yeah. Um, and so you reckon from probably Aretha's number onwards, pretty much once they had the band together. Yeah. Yeah. Then then it really just off it went. Yeah. Um, and from that point on, I I wasn't looking at the clock anymore. Mm. Um, Fair enough. I was. I was. Yeah, just to be like, oh, when's something going to happen? And then the second half was, yeah, great. Lots After Aretha, they followed up. There was another song not long after that at all. Was that Ray Charles? Yeah. Yep. Aretha, straight to Ray Charles. And then you've got uh, Bob's Country Bunker. Yes, <laughs> which is a great scene. Um, uh, and that introduces more enemies. And there were Nazis in between as well. So, <laughs> so there's all so many motivating factors. Yeah. The Nazis, at least, they, they squished him in quite quickly. And Bob's, they squished in quickly as well they kind of coupled him like Bob and the good old boys kind of yeah they, so they merged all those extra and I, I like I kind of like the goofiness of having like you said there's like 
A through F plots. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you've got like, who's after them? It's like the police is after them. Well, and... their primary plot is to get the money. Yeah. <laughs> B plot is there's the police. And and then you've got like rednecks after them, Nazis after yeah, them. Yeah, so there's at least four storylines all sort of linked but and yeah. going along. It, 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 I think what makes the second half move so quickly and be that little bit more enjoyable is it just... Ever since, like, Bob's Country Bunker and stuff, it, it leans into farce. Like, yes, it's become so towards the end. Yeah. ridiculous and overblown and over-the-top and yep. wacky and playful. Yes, and, and the playful moments are really good. Like you said, like, the sneaking into the palace is, is really good. Driving around with the giant megaphone advertising yeah, the show. it's great. Yes, it's well cut and montaged and, um... I, I'm, a, like, a big fan of them breaking into the show through the women's bathroom. Excuse us? <laughs> Yes, yeah, that's just a funny moment. And just even just, like, using his hat to break the window. I yeah. like using the costume. Yes. Because the costume's obviously such a big part of it. Like, even in the sauna, they're wearing their hat and glasses. Exactly. Um, it is just the, it's the identity of the character. Yeah, so. and that, that's great. And then just to see them use their, their items of clothing to you know, break a window and things like that and use mm. it outside of... Um, it's a bit like the towels in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah, exactly. You <laughs> don't really notice how many times they use the towels in that movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, the director did it. I don't know who did it. doesn't matter. Um, but just did it well and I think this, that was the same with this hmm. um, you don't sort of really realise how much and make a comment like when they're leaving the palace like you know we've got to get it's this far back with a full tank of gas it's night time we're wearing sunglasses it's 106 miles to Chicago we got a full tank of gas half a pack of cigarettes it's dark and we're wearing sunglasses hit it <laughs> Let's do this. <laughs> it's like the most famous line. Yeah. It's, just, it's just great. I'm yeah. like, yeah, I love it. There's like, yeah, the two or three, like, just absolutely famous catchphrases from this where it's like, which I think has helped it, like, creep into pop culture and become such an iconic film is that monologue. And then, of course, you've got the famous We're on a Mission from God. Yes. And also. And, like, and we've got both types of music. Yeah. <laughs> Country and Western. <laughs> <laughs> and I also just love the um, the weird Dutch angle close-up when it's, are you a gentleman with the FBI? No, ma'am, we're musicians. <laughs> like, yeah, there's so right. seriousness yeah. of it. But it's, like, that'd be an interesting thing. Like, do we go into the idea of it kind of... Why do you think it, this film endears so much and has become such a cult classic? I mean, apart from... Yeah, I mean, the obvious answer is the music, I think. Yes, music, without a doubt. Uh, some of those musical moments are wonderful. Like, um, Shake Your Tail Feathers... Great, like mm. that, that scene like we were saying with everyone just dancing on the street. It's yeah. just, just awesome. Um, a good musical closer to any film is great. Yeah, and um, you know everybody needs you know needs somebody to love. Uh, that whole scene is fantastic. Yeah, um, you know they're up on stage having a great time. We were talking about during about how like the movement of the crowd juxtaposed with the static policeman. It just just works really well. Like crowd mm. movement can be pretty damn boring. Yeah, but just that little you actually sort of notice it. A little bit, and um, and it also works to like in amongst all the party keeps that ever present idea of the cops and what what is kind of driving them and that's yep. how they've got to escape now and yeah. kind of perpetually driving that narrative. But um, yeah, so I think the music is like I the first and foremost thing that definitely. everyone remembers. And then I think the iconic outfits are number two mm. because. They're so recognisable. They're so simple. Mm. The characters are pretty simple. Yeah, they're very deadpan. Um, you know, there's a slight wackiness to them, but they're not. I would, you know, when I when I first tried to watch it, and it's possibly what let me down those previous times is you didn't. I, I wasn't expecting Jim Carrey level of like a uh, heightened performance, early early Jim Carrey heightened performance. 
I was expecting maybe Robin Williams-esque, slightly more measured. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it was much more deadpan than I was expecting. Mm. And then it kicked in later, and the guy... Like, they've got such good movement when they want to. Yeah. I think that's what makes it them kind of... Belushi, like, explodes when he's on stage, and he goes yes. from being perfectly still to all of a sudden doing backflips. Yes. Yep. And you're like, what the... He-? And uh, it's more so... Um, I think Elwood with his singing whenever he does yeah. it, it's the unexpected baritone yeah when thing. he drops a baritone is great yeah um, and like I said I don't want that all film long no, no it's just, just it, it misses a lot early on and it just, it just as a result the the pace doesn't get broken up much yeah it, the it whole kind first of hour basically takes a, it takes a little bit too much time trying to establish its world and its characters mm. before I guess because it is such a loose, simple narrative, they maybe didn't have enough faith in that to be yeah, a, maybe. enough yeah. thing that we need to just... And maybe it. if they felt if they just relied on the second half, which it might be too goofy. Yeah. Which, I mean... They want not, to try and strike that interesting... Yeah, and they got a very close... I, I, in saying that, I don't know what you cut out. Um, That's the interesting thing, yeah. I guess you could cut the Nazis, but they're kind of But again, it has some of the best... Farcical exactly, moment, like yeah. the the ridiculousness of that car just <laughs> dropping from the sky. Actually, dropped out of an aeroplane. Yeah, but I think like why this film last, I think, in is had such a cultural impact might be because it being like uh, shot in seventy nine, released in nineteen eighty, and it was yep. coming right off that the heels of that first five years of Saturday Night Live, which introduced yeah, and you know the National Lampoon and. You know, going from Animal House to Saturday Night Live and this. It's just kind of those... It's a real explosion of... Experimenting and trying to do a different kind of style of comedy and bring that to a mainstream audience. Yep. And I think this, maybe more so in terms of comedy, does it better than Animal House, I think. Yeah, well, you're the expert on that one, so... uh, We can weigh in when you finally pull that one out of the hat. Give an opinion later on. But I think Animal House is... It leans... It has a better narrative structure, I think. Yeah. But it... And it's a lot wackier, but this, I think, actually nails a lot more of the comedy and is a lot more fun, probably. And I... Yeah, like I said, the second half was fun, and a lot of it was just nicely paced fun, and just, just... just silly little bits of dialogue, or just like, even like when um, the good old boys and Bob are chasing after them in the in the RV thing, and then there's like the four spare dudes in the top just poking their little heads out the it's window. So fun! It's such a short <laughs> shot, and yeah. I was just commenting on about how it was. Um, like, oh, I thought this would be wackier or something. And then, and then bang, that shot came on. I'm like, ah, oh, there we go. Okay, <laughs> that's what I needed right now. Perfect yeah, timing. Because you're kind of mentioning how you're. Like it's it's not often that you see it, but when you get that Mel Brooksy kind of uh, Zuckerberg style of humor, yes, it and it randomly pops up periodically in this one, yes, which There's some really, uh, yeah, really out there moments, I guess. And it's I think that's what makes it interesting, and maybe uh, you found it a bit hard to connect is because there's so many different styles of comedy yeah, being I experimented think that's it. with. Yeah, they, they haven't nailed. It's not like it's classical Mel Brooks style humour from start to finish it's no, just it just does oh, a little sprinkles yeah like the start is quite yeah deadpan mm. got a bit of music in there but that's about it yeah, and then it becomes cartoony towards yeah. the end with all the car crash so stuff and so yeah I, I think I don't know it'd be interesting I'd be, I'd be interested to the generation younger than us mm. if they'd enjoy this at all that'd be interesting I think I don't know if it'd carry over as well as some no because it's very 
it take like we've been saying it takes its time. And yeah, it's quite and it, it is inconsistent. Yeah, um, I I could enjoy it enough, but the, the, we were saying too, it's a bit of a product of its time. Oh, very much so. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's not that bad, but there's just a few moments where like uh, what's the um, what's the guitarist? Oh, Matt Matt Guitar Murphy. Yeah, just like telling his his woman. Yeah, and he's go. I'm the man, and I need to do my own things. It's a bit right, and then Aretha Franklin's just like, oh man, if she sang that song to me, I'd be like, yes, man, yes, sure, whatever you say. Um, but, but yeah, anyway, that that's it's it's that's by the by, exactly. But, um, it's not yeah. not a big thing. It just it's a bit different to today's one. Mm. Um, pr- probably something I found though is I couldn't really like. Elwood and Jake much. Okay, that's interesting. Just because, really, they are... I, that They were entertaining yep. as characters, but they're serious dicks as characters. Yeah, I think you the one you pointed out is, like, when they blow up the gas station. Yeah, like, there's so much wanton destruction. Yeah. Um, and I know... I know it's a film. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. But I just, I just found myself just... You know, I, I like an anti-hero. Yeah. Or, like, a, a, a negative hero or you know, something like that. But they're just, like, they never actually do anything nice for anybody except the orphanage. Yeah, but, well, I think that's what's interesting. They are kind of char- very self, self-obsessed characters. Yeah. E- uh, egotistical and self-obsessed. But at the same time, this is them coming out of their comfort zone to, like, do something good and for the... Yeah, and that's the, And so, ma- the, all the wanton destruction, it's... They're, they're they're oblivious to everything yes. bad that happens because they are doing like they're just focusing on this on one their thing. mission from God. Yeah, um, yeah, it's a weird one. And then they kind of yeah, like even even at the end with like Carrie Fisher, mm. and he just begs on his hands and knees, and then just drops her in the mud anyway. Like, Let's go. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it's pretty funny, but also just like all right, uh, yep. It's it's not that's I've always Did, felt as not the the best payoff no, for that because she Carrie Fisher's role is so interesting throughout the film yeah because you're just like why who is that girl and what the, the that, hell is happening and the fact that they don't care yeah and like, it, I actually did enjoy that the oblivious nature of it all and like you know I think the first time you see her she pulls a rocket launcher out of straight it straight out of it just fires four rockets into <laughs> yeah. the doorway and drives off and they just go inside and anyway blows up the building and then a the flamethrower and I I love her monologue where it you under it's explained who yeah. she is and what what she's doing and why. Yeah. yeah. You contemptible pig! I stood at the back of a cathedral, waiting in celibacy for you, with three hundred friends and relatives in attendance. So for me, for my mother, my grandmother, my father, my uncle, and for the common good, I must now kill you and your brother. But I've found I've always found Belushi's response a little bit weak, weak and a bit uncomfortable. Yeah, like, awkward. Yeah, and it would have almost just been better if he just walked up to her and took off his sunglasses. Yes, and she kind of melted, as opposed to him just reeling off every excuse possible. I know, like, and then then pulling the sunglasses off, yeah. like it had both. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, it, it wasn't a great, and then. It it just works in that way to kind of accentuate Jake being a slimy kind of character. Yeah, it does. But the problem is you you want him to be a lovable character. Because like, the film tries through the music to paint him as likable. Yeah. Their passion that's... is the music. Their passion is the band. Mm. So you're like, these guys... And they never 
uh, I think the, all the wanton destruction and the fact that they're oblivious to it yeah, lets yeah. them get away with that. Yes. But that's a point where he is just being yeah. a dick. That's it. There's just a few unbalanced moments. Mm. Um, and even, like, the, there are dickish moments, like, when they're in the restaurant that play awesomely. Like, when they're yeah. torturing, um, I forget. See, that seems to have purpose. Yes, yeah. How much for the little girl? The women. How much for the women? Yeah. It's like, it's fun, and it's playful, and you understand that he's playing a character. Like, he's, he's just, and, yeah, leverage over this bloke. and Yeah, whereas um, that Carrie Fisher scene is just the one bit where you're like... It's just so spineless, it's amazing. And it's weird. It yeah. just kind of sits, has always, ever since I was a kid, sat with me weird. So just it comes kind of... out of nowhere a bit, and yeah. it's not funny. No. That's the problem, like, if it... it, it you, I don't know if you could do it with humour, and that's what they're trying to do. But I just that's why I, I think you lean in stylistically and just have the glasses coming off yeah. and be the... and then have the heart-melting moment and I, and I forgive you kind of thing or something. Yeah, and be like, oh, I could... Yeah, he, yep. yeah. And that would just show, like, the softness of finally mm. seeing his eyes and you can understand, like... Yeah, yeah. that was a good move. The, the sunglasses reveal was great. Yeah. Mm. That's, yeah... It's pretty good. <laughs> because you realise and you're like, oh yeah, we haven't seen his eyes yet. Exactly. <laughs> and yeah, it, it kind of takes away the artifice that is Jake yes. Blues and you see that there is actually a person there. And... Someone underneath. Yeah. How, so at the beginning you kind of mentioned that um, you never, you're not really familiar with Belushi at all. Like, this no, is... no. I mean, I know that he's sort of got that sort of, um, he died too young yep. kind of, um, not worship, but you know, following. Um, he's, yeah. he's obviously... Um, has a pretty big place in um, in a lot of people's hearts who enjoy that era. I, I missed him completely. Yeah. Um, mm. Yeah, so I think it... Oh, God, I'm not even going to... Maybe 82 he died? 82, 83? Yeah. yeah. So it was like even before we were born, mm, he was exactly, already like, gone. So, yeah, but he was such an important figure in terms of... Um, doing, you know, taking part in the live shows for National Lampoon, and then, you know, the, obviously he was the breakout star from Saturday Night Live in that first yeah. five seasons, and, like, obviously that whole crew was, you know, Chevy Chase, Belushi, Aykroyd, Bill Murray, like, they all yep. kind of exploded and kind of changed comedy, but how do you find him, having not seen him act before, as as a performer? Did Yeah, good, um... It didn't blow me away or anything like mm. that, but his character isn't really designed to blow you away. Yeah. Um, no, he, he has a, he has a good ability for deadpan. He has a good ability for um, for physicality. Yeah. Um, and he and he's he was consistent. Yeah. That's what I did like. Uh, they were both pretty consistent, really. So you got to give them that. Mm. Their range of their character was relatively narrow. Um, but yeah, his his movement, um, his engagement on stage. You know, you, you watch him, basically. Yeah. He, um, you, get, you get transfixed by him to something. Yeah. Um, Do you and, think that's because of, like, just the explosive nature of, like, his physicality, going from perfectly still to all of a sudden backflips and... Were they genuinely of, his backflips? Yeah. Really? Uh, I, I think a lot of them, yeah. He, he was... What he was famously known for on Saturday Night Live, it was him and Chevy Chase would do pratfalls a lot. Yes. And, um, yeah, so he would always do, like, cartwheels and flips and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. okay, because I just assumed that was got to be a stunt double. For I that. think the one, like, going down the aisle of the church yes. is not, but, like, the last one is him. Yeah, You can okay. see that he does, like, the final cartwheel and into pops up frame. into the dance yeah. moves, so, yeah. Yep. Mm. Yeah, okay, yeah. I, and I think that might be it, yes, because his, his dance moves are quite recognisable. Yeah. Um, and they're 
Yeah, when you when you juck, and he's, he's just his body doesn't look like he should be able to do that. No, and then when it does, you're just like, okay, that's amazing. Yeah, great, <laughs> and yeah, good energy. Um, I I feel that this to me is probably the most iconic Dan Aykroyd role. Like I, I know a lot of people would probably go to Ray for, from Ghostbusters. And, see, I wouldn't. Yeah, because Ray from Ghostbusters is creepy. <laughs> Just because he gets blown by a ghost, uh, basically, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I guess so. It could be Ghostbusters is you know that is ma- like huge. That, that huge is huge. Movie. Yeah, um, it's such a unique film. Um, but I I'm think, not saying I like Dan Aykroyd much in that. Yes. Yeah. No, but I think like whenever someone Laser. says Dan Aykroyd, this is what I th- what I think of is Elwood from Blues Brothers. That's that's like my go to in my brain. I yeah, think- I liked him a lot more in this. Yeah. Whereas, like, I mean, he's he's de- don't get me wrong, he's decent, he's fine in Ghostbusters. <laughs> um, um, but um, yeah, this this was different again, and it's just weird to see more like tall and slim. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I did, you know I don't I haven't seen much early Dan. So um, yeah, before he got real. Big and weird. <laughs> Big and weird, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it, it was it was cool to see him because I haven't really probably seen him in that many things. There'd be a few others along the way. Mm. Um, but, yeah, this definitely, definitely the skinniest Dan I've seen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I just, I, I love his character. He, he just has a very, it's very clear Belushi, like Jake is the leader of the duo. And yeah. Elwood has this kind of, Shy sheepishness sort of seems to have a little bit more heart. Yeah, or something. yeah. And it's like some weird, wonderful moments, like when they first arrive at Ray's music shop, and he sees a toaster, he goes to the toaster. and he's just very intrigued by it, and, more, and pulls a piece of toast. Like, yeah. there's these little sweet, innocent moments. So maybe this would be better than my coat hanger. Yeah, and <laughs> you're just like, aw. Yeah, <laughs> there's a sweetness to it. Yeah, I think I think that's right. It's and it's just it's just subtle, but it, you're like. What if this guy hadn't been an orphan? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I suppose that's the fun juxtaposition. I suppose you could say Elwood is the sweet and Jake is the salty to some degree. Yeah, and they so. balance out well. Hmm. Um, I mean, and, and Ackroyd dances well too. Oh, yeah, and plays a hum- mean harmonica. Yeah, he gets stuck <laughs> into that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Is there anything else? Well, I guess... Uh, we could talk before, about before we jump into the, like the you like the well I mean the big the big thing I guess I'm supporting supporting cast members I really like John Candy who wants an orange whip orange whip orange whip three orange whips yeah just, he God, didn't have much to... to work with yeah but he's just like in amongst all the rest of the police force saying it very seriously mm. he's like hang on I haven't heard these guys play yet yeah and then, um, and then like <laughs> what, what kind of number are we <laughs> Car, um, what number are we? Five, five. Car fifty-five. Um, we're in a truck. <laughs> Plus, the, like, I mean, the I think the one that yeah, that's just so, so classic. But yeah. he's so he's contrasted so perfectly with those other two officers yes, who are perfect. so stern and strict and angry and which out is, to get them. Yeah, which is great. And then you've got John Candy's this kind of like that senior guy who's just playful, playful, and, a bit charming. Yeah, well, maybe not directly charming, but. I think it is just, it's, John Candy is one of those actors and comedians that, like, just seems like such a good guy that he just coasts through. At least on screen he comes across as, yeah. yeah. Just kind of coasts through on, like, good karma and, I'm sorry, like, good charisma. You're just like, yeah, yeah, cool. I like you. (laughs) Yeah, well, I'm trying to think I've seen him in Uncle Buck. Oh, yeah, because you haven't seen Home Alone. You haven't seen Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. No, I've seen some of Home Alone. Okay. Uh, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, like, Del, to me, that's, like... 
I like, I like me. My wife likes me. Because I'm the real article. What you see is what you get. Yeah. Plane, Trains and Automobiles is one of the best comedies ever made, I think. Really? Okay, yeah. then. So. Keep that in mind. Mm. But yeah, he is just lovable dude. Yeah. So. And I, I totally forgot when we sat down to watch this that he was in it. I, yeah, because it's, it's not a big part. No, he's not. He's only in maybe three or four scenes, but yep. he's so good. Yeah. <laughs> and so young as well. We um, yes. looked up, he was about 30 at the time. And yep. yeah, he was still on SCTV, which is like the Canadian version of Saturday Night Live. Oh, okay. And that's yeah. where like uh, Rick Moranis and stuff came out. Oh, of. really? Yep. Oh, small world. Yeah. Um. And the musical guests, of course. Yeah. Um, like, you know, Aretha's song was nice. James Brown's song was cool. Um, and that scene was, was great. But um, who sings um, Minnie the Moocher again? Cab Calloway. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was great in his scenes, and then the, then the performance was awesome. He, he kind of is that one of the few that transcends and is both an amazing singer and actually can act. Yeah, he could actually act. Yeah. Whereas Aretha couldn't really act. No. You don't care that much, but I was... I'm, and Ray was also a bit like, okay. Yeah, exactly. He was, he was, he was doing his thing. But you excuse it because it is like, oh, I know why you're here. Exactly yeah, right. So. Yeah, I'm, you know... We're not yeah. here to watch you act. We're here no. to see you sing. And it's funny because I I didn't recognise Aretha because I'm not going to claim to really have ever just sat down and looked at pictures of Aretha Franklin. <laughs> yeah. But when I was watching it, I'm like, this person can't act very well. It must be a musician. Then I, and then the song started. I'm like, ah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Um. But um. Yeah. Cab was it was great. Mm. And um. And then yeah. Some of the other music like yeah. There's such catchy musical numbers. And I really love the quieter... Some of the music in the quieter moments, like... Just in the car and stuff. Yeah, like the use of Sam and Dave. Yeah. Um, and, of course, the Peter Gunn theme is yeah, used so perfectly. Yeah, they're fantastic. But I think John Lee Hooker's number is just a nice, quiet moment. And it's mostly played over just pretty much B-roll footage of mm. the um, black neighbourhoods of Chicago. And it's really yes. interesting and kind of... A different tone and pace all of a sudden for the film, but it's quite nice. I, I liked um, "Stand by Your Man." Yep, in the, in the bar, the country yep. bar. I was. I love that just for their synchronized dance. Yes, moves. their dance moves. They're just great. <laughs> While they're getting pelted with bottles. Mm. Um, but uh, but yeah. So I guess in terms of, um, did I like it? Y- yeah. 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 Just mm. the second half was was very fun. Um, there was I. I I just felt I connected with the characters more. The things seemed to move along. I enjoyed the band more. You know, there was a bit more of them. Um, you, and they got sort of a bit more time. Yeah. Um, everything just was felt tighter. It felt to me like the second half of the film was written first. Yeah. They had a loose plot, wrote the end, because um, you got to end on a bang. And, you know, when you've only got a couple of characters from a variety show... Yeah, you want to just... you got to get that bit right. There, there weren't even really characters. They were just... Musical act, pretty much. There we so. go. So, um, yeah, I just... If only the first bit was just a little bit tighter or there was a little bit more character to it, um, I, I probably would have really liked it because yeah. I, I was really quite enjoying the second half. So I'd say, yes, I, would li- I liked it, but... And part of me would actually like to watch it again. Yeah. To kind see if I like the first half more now that I... Know where it's know going where it's and going. where it's going. Yeah. Um, kind of enjoy the the escapades leading up to get, getting the band exactly. back together and yeah. stuff. Yeah, I think that might might resonate a bit more. And mm. it, so much of the film was about the two brothers. So seeing the relationship again probably would be quite valuable, I think. Yeah. Um, 
as a kid. I think yes. if I could get past the first half, yeah. Which you know, with friends, I probably would have. Mm. Um, yeah, I probably would have would have enjoyed it. I don't think it's one that I would have watched lots of times. Yeah, or anything like that. Um, but yeah, I think no, yeah, knowing the music and the songs and stuff, I, I it's not the kind of music my parents listened to when I was young. It definitely wasn't on like popular radio. No, no. Um, so it's not necessarily one you feel like you would have really impacted you as a kid or you feel like you missed out seeing it. Not really. I mean, it would have been nice to understand a bit more about it. Um, yeah. And I'm very glad I've seen it now. And just that the, the songs are really good. I just would have, you know, Minnie the Mooch is such a great song. I've yeah. heard a bit more in the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, so to, I would have been seeing that 10 years ago if I'd seen this film. Yeah, basically. it'd be going like to karaoke I, jam. <laughs> putting that on at karaoke and <laughs> burning it out. Um, whereas only now... <laughs> have I started to sing it? Um, We've got time. So yeah, that's... so I'll be making up for that pretty shortly. Hmm. Um, yeah, sweet. Well, unless there's anything else we want to delve into on the film, do you want to hear a little bit of uh, some trivia oh, yeah. info? That'd be great. Uh, so the film had a budget of around $17.5 million. Um, that was the only figure I was kind of able to find and mm. when um, apparently when John Landis was told that was the budget his response is I think we've already spent all that what I'm just buying po- surplus police cars <laughs> yeah it seems like it yeah um, <laughs> but the film went on to gross 57 million at the US box office and 115 million worldwide uh, so it made a fair amount of money yeah and it, made, it was the 10th highest grossing film of 1980 wow okay yeah uh, Empire Strikes Back took the number one spot <laughs> fair yeah. enough <laughs> um, I thought this was interesting, though. It's only the second highest grossing Saturday Night Live film. I guess it was pretty early. Mm. What is, have you got the highest on there? Wayne's World. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. yeah. That was surprisingly huge, that movie. <laughs> yes. Uh, prospects, for, uh, prospects for a successful release of the film did not look good. Uh, Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi had left Saturday Night Live at the end of the previous season, which reduced their bankability in terms of uh, being movie stars. Uh, Belushi's fame had also taken a further hit after the commercial and critical failure of 1941 at the end of the year previous. What's 1941? 1941 is the forgotten Steven Spielberg film. Ah, uh, World War the, II film? It is a World War II farce. Oh. That has, like, Busby Berkeley musical numbers and oh. insanity, and it's weird, and it's written by Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gale, who did Back to the Future. Yes. It's... In- Weird and wonderful. And I, intriguing. I, I kind of really like it because it is just the biggest... But it's also not surprising it didn't do well. Yeah, because you're like, <laughs> oh, this is what happens when you give people too much money, too much freedom, and too much cocaine. Okay, okay <laughs> cool. All right. <laughs> um, the first cut of the film was two and a half hours with an intermission. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, after one early screening, Lou Wasserman, the head of Universal, demanded it be shortened, and 17 minutes were eventually cut out. Uh, Dan Aykroyd's original script was titled The Return of the Blues Brothers and was 324 pages long. Come on, mate. This, again, leans into the whole idea of Dan Aykroyd's insane. Yes, he's a bit (laughs) mental. Uh, It was intended to be a two-part film. Uh, John Landis spent three weeks paring down the script to an actual So that's how he got a writing credit? Yeah. (laughs) Apparently, like, the legend has it when uh, Aykroyd delivered the script, he had it bound in a phone book to make it, like... (laughs) So he knew it was insane what he was doing. Yeah, okay. Um... Yeah, so, like, some of the stuff that Aykroyd ended up doing, um, like, there was a scene in which Elwood parks the Bluesmobile in, like, that tiny little storage area with, like, the high voltage. 
Um, it was originally, he'd written it where there was an elaborate scene showing the Bluesmobile being charged up by Transformers and magic electricity <laughs> to explain how it could do the impossible stunts. Uh, yeah. And John Landis was just like, it's just magic, it's fine, we don't need that. Yeah. It's, man. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Uh... In the original script, the Illinois Nazis were actually trying to buy the orphanage and set it up as their new headquarters. So they were a bigger part of... Yeah, the... okay, that makes sense as why they were in there, like, even even more so. Yeah. <laughs> I just find that weird, like, um, that it's, it's good that they were cut out and just, it, yeah, they simplified so... the idea of, oh, just the, yeah. know, the government. It was it, less of a us versus the bad guys. It was just... Uh, yeah, there's no explicit villain. It's just they need to do... Yeah, oh, and I like that. That's good. Mm. Um, I found this funny that for the 30th anniversary of the movie, the Vatican newspaper, uh, L'Observatore Romana, called the film a Catholic classic, recommending it as good viewing for Catholics. <laughs> <laughs> Donate money to your local Catholic orphanage. Yeah, pretty much. Um, Karen Fisher apparently guest hosted Saturday Night Live on the episode in which the Blues Brothers debuted. Uh-huh. It's kind of okay. fun. Yep. And, I mean, her role in this was uh, she was uh, dating and engaged to Dan Aykroyd at the time. Oh. So that's kind of, I think, her yep. involvement where yep. that kind of came from. Fair enough. Uh, a world record at the time, 103 cars were wrecked during the <laughs> I did like that scene. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the record was held for uh, two years until it was then beaten by uh, 150 cars and a plane for the film The Junkman. And then, um, more recently, 300 cars were wrecked for The Matrix Reloaded. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, according to Dan Ack... I don't know if I'll do this one. I'll, I'll say Read it. Read it anyway. According to Dan Aykroyd, cocaine was included in the film's budget. <laughs> what? <laughs> to help the cast and crew stay away during night shoots. According to Aykroyd, uh, John Belushi enjoyed it the most <laughs> and felt it enhanced his performance. That's obvious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it wasn't included in the budget, the mm. official budget. No. <laughs> uh, and the last little one, it's there wasn't much in terms of like uh, people who were offered other roles no, and things. I mean, it's always going to be Aykroyd and Belushi. Exactly. So, but the one that I did find for that was uh, Little Richard was approached yeah. uh, to do a part in the film, uh, but he declined because he was only performing gospel music at the time, and uh, yeah, wasn't doing yep. his classical stuff. So, uh. yeah. All right. Just well, they still found some good guests, no matter. <laughs> yeah, they, they, I'm sh- probably sure that's where James Brown stepped in. Ah, uh, yeah, okay. Which, which is almost like, oh, could you have gotten Little Richard to just be the, the priest? Yeah. yeah sort of, but no. Oh yeah. well. Anywho's, um, yeah. So it's, you enjoyed it, we'll say. Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, I didn't love it. I didn't sit there, you know. Loving every moment of it, mm. but that there were there were lots of elements. Like it was a lot to really, the, lots of little bits I enjoyed, um, and then there were this like the final act was was just heaps of fun. Yeah, it, I think that's the key word for the film. It, it's just fun. It yeah, it ends really like very very fun to yep. the point where you almost forget that the start wasn't that interesting. Yes, and I wonder if there's a little bit of that for people who might not have seen it for a while I'm not sure hmm. but once you power through and get to that you're, you're sweet again so it doesn't yeah. matter but that being said I think for, for me personally there's a lot of uh, little moments early on like those like the cheese whiz stuff like yeah I like some that of the, some of the weirder fun comedic just stuff just the first introduction of the toast yeah just little it, it, quirky yeah, things that I think maintains that whole first half and I'm yeah. able to like 
whenever one of those moments pops up, I'm like, oh, yeah. It's like a warm heart. Even, even the car itself. Like, yeah. the introduction to car and his broken cigarette lighter and stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah. So perfect. Yeah. Well, I guess uh, unless that'll probably wrap us yep. up uh, talking about John Landis's 1980s classic, The Blues Brothers. So, it's time to reach into the hat. And um, decide what is... Uh, What'll be up next? Yeah. So, we'll be watching. Oh, perfect! National Lampoon's Vacation. Let's cool. Sort of head down a similar theme. Yeah, yeah, kind of a nice uh, double hit of uh, '80s comedy. <laughs> yes, yeah, no, no, I think I don't think I've ever seen any of the original. I've seen a bit of um, Christmas. Yeah. The start of Christmas, where he, I just remember him lighting up the roof a lot. Yep. Um, and I've just seen European Vacation. European Vacation is horrible. I've heard that. I saw it when I was pretty young and it was on TV. It's really bad. Yeah. Um, Vegas Vacation is pretty terrible as well. But Christmas Vacation is surprisingly fun. Yeah, I and, just remember enjoying the bits I saw. Yeah, and the original Vacation is a, a classic, I think. Yes. Yep. I mean, I, I know the poster. Yeah. Um, it'll be good to see young Chevy Chase. Mm, and it's, um, I think, one of the first, one of, if not the first script by John Hughes. Of, yeah, of course. You know, Breakfast Club, Ferris yep. Bueller fame. So, yeah. Great. Well, that'll be good. Yeah, so uh, tune in for that. But uh, if you have any suggestions or uh, want to give your opinions on the Blues Brothers, what you thought, what you think of the film, any lasting memories, or have suggestions of films we should put into the hat, uh, feel free to send us an email at haven'tseenpod at gmail.com. Yeah, other than that, uh, we'll be back in a fortnight's time. Uh, for this week's episode, I'm Chris. I'm Eric. Uh, see you next time. Please rewind this cassette before returning it to your video library.